to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want you to turn to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And it should be familiar to you if you've ever read Genesis or read the Bible. Most people have picked it up, at least started to read it. I just want to read the first five verses of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And I've entitled this message, God's Not Afraid of the Dark. God's Not Afraid of the Dark. And you'll understand this in just a minute. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And so the evening and the morning were the first day. Thank you. You can be seated. I know you've been standing a while. Thank you. Thank you for reverencing the word. This morning, I'd like to take you back with me to the beginning of time. I'd like to take you back to the beginning of creation. When there was nothing, there was absolutely nothing except God. And the Bible says in Genesis 1-1 that in the beginning, when, and, and there is a beginning, and I don't need science to tell me about the beginning. There wasn't a big bang, and there wasn't anything of that sort. There was just God and his creative power. It's a, it takes a whole lot less faith for me to believe that this than it does some of the crazy things we've come up with to replace this. I just trust in God. And God, who's almighty, in the beginning, ex nihilo is a Latin phrase, which means out of nothing, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, Genesis 1-1 and 1-2 and 1-3 is talking about the first day of creation. And what we understand, if we just look at it and let it speak to us, is that out of nothing, God created something. And what he created on that first day was And again, I call it phase one of day one. He created shapeless, empty matter. And that matter was dark, and there was a primeval ocean. It was wet. So God creates in phase one of day one this shapeless matter. The the Bible says in verse 2 that the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the waters. Without form and void, those two Hebrew words basically essentially tell us that what God started with, that creative work in the beginning of phase one, was unformed and unfilled. And and then the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the water. And what you get a picture of is that now as God continues his work, he's going to start doing more work on this day one, that you have God operating in the dark, bringing order and beauty out of the chaos and out of the shapelessness. And there are four things that I want you to notice. Number one, I want you to notice that the dark, and remember, there's no light. It's absolutely pitch dark. That the dark did not hinder God or the dark did not restrict God. He was still able to operate. And you know why? Because God can see in the dark. He can function successfully in the absence of light. And there's a reason why. Because 1 Timothy 6.16 says that God dwells or lives in unapproachable light. So wherever God shows up, the light comes. 
So wherever God shows up, now there's going to be some spiritual truth, so you might want to hang on to all these physical things that I'm referring to because I'm going to come back to them. So wherever God shows up, the light shines and dominates the darkness and dispels the darkness and overcomes it. So God shows up and he can operate in the dark. Number two, the second thing I noticed is that God had an initial response to the darkness and he, and he speaks light into existence. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, why did he do this? Why did he create light at that moment? Is it because he needed it to see? The answer is no. He knew we would need it to see. So he created the light for us. Now watch this. Before God created life, he created light. Before God created man, he created light. Okay, light is necessary for life, and there is a spiritual truth here that I'm going to come back to that God showed me. Watch this. Light and God speaking the word, that's revelation. That's God revealing what's there. Revelation always precedes transformation. Revelation always precedes divine creation by God. Do you see that? And so God says, let there be light. There needs to be light before there can be life. And it happened. Here's the third thing that I noticed of this. God created the the light to rule or have dominance or dominion over the dark. Darkness is not supposed to rule over light. Light is supposed to rule over darkness. Now, a scientist would come in here or a high school Science teacher would even tell me that darkness is the absence of light. That that the only way you can have darkness is if there is no light, and that's true. But when you have darkness because there is no light, then the darkness is in control. You don't believe it, get up in the middle of the night and don't turn any lights on. Try to stumble through your house and see if you don't stub your toe. Okay, when the darkness rules, then it's not good. And so God created light to dominate the darkness. Now, darkness is not supposed to rule over the light. Light is supposed to rule the darkness. Now, I know you say, well, Pastor, it gets dark at night. Absolutely. God created the night on purpose. He created the dark at night on purpose. It serves a purpose, to go to bed. Okay, you go to bed. When it gets dark, you go to bed. Okay, nothing good happens after midnight. Everybody remember that. And, and, and so you go to sleep. When Bo comes over the house, my little grandson, and, and we're to spend the night, you know, Bo, he's still hyper. I said, Bo, we, we got to go to bed. I don't know if I'm ready to go to bed. No, we're going to bed. And this is what I tell him. It's a little thing I say to him. I said, Jesus, turn the lights out. I said, Jesus, turn the lights out. We got to go to bed. That's why Jesus turned the lights out. It's dark outside. In the morning, Jesus turned the lights back on. And then we'll get up and we'll play. He said, okay, Papa, we go to bed. And what I'm trying to tell you is the light. So you say, okay, it gets dark at night. Absolutely. But let me show you what the Bible says. I didn't read it, but if you just read a few more verses, it says that even then God created the sun. He calls it the greater light. Watch this. This is the, this is the wording. To rule the day. And he created the lesser light, which is the moon and the stars, to rule the night. Is anybody getting this? Y'all are listening. Okay, so when the, when the sun sets in the evening, okay, the earth is rotating on its axis, 
that 24-hour sun's always shining somewhere. But here in Anderson, South Carolina, as we get into the evening, 6 or 7 o'clock, the sun goes down. The absence of light creates darkness so we can go to bed and we can sleep, right? But here's the thing. Even at night, God still said darkness is not going to have its total way. And the, the light of the sun reflects off of that moon and shines down so that we still have some kind of light at night. And then as the earth rotates on its axis at about 6 or 7 o'clock, depending on what time of year it is. By the way, next Sunday's daylight savings time switch. And Saturday night. And so when we'll, we'll, we'll fall back, whatever. You know, right now it's about 7, you know, 7-ish. The, the sun comes. You can see the light. The sky starts getting brighter. And the sun rises, right? And the light comes. And what happens? Darkness has to leave. There's never been a day when darkness looked at the sun and says, uh-uh, not today. Am I right? No, because the darkness has to give way to the light because light rules over darkness. Here's the last thing. The Bible says that God saw the light and that it was good. A darkness that dominates the day is a bad idea because it creates an environment that is improper or, or ineffective for life to thrive in. You have to have light. Life needs light. And light is good. It's what's best for humanity. It's necessary for us to thrive and to grow and to survive. And don't you think there is any spiritual application there? If you're living in darkness of sin, it's bad. But when the light of Jesus shines, it's good. How many are glad life is good because of Jesus? Yeah, come on, give him praise in this house. Now, I've been referencing that there's a spiritual application here because there is. The Bible obviously addresses the dark from a physical standpoint, that physical state where it is the absence of light. But if you would read on in the Bible, you would find that the Bible also refers to darkness as a spiritual state. It's a spiritual state. Where light, or darkness rather, is the absence of light, the darkness of sin, the darkness of, of, of the depravity of sin is not the absence of light, but the absence of God. And the absence of truth. Oftentimes, you ever said, somebody tells you something that you didn't know and you said, man, I was in the dark on that. You ever said that? You know, I'm in the, I'm in the dark. Nobody's told me about it. Somebody tell me. What are you talking about? I haven't heard that. I haven't been in the dark. Okay, that's, that, that, that applies spiritually because you don't know God's will. You don't know God's word. You don't know God's nature. You don't know God. And so we have to see that the Bible describes sinful people as being in the dark, a spiritual darkness. And consequently, that darkness moves them, motivates them to live as if there is no God, as if there is no law of God, which is lawlessness. And the result of living in the dark spiritually is that you commit sin and your life is chaotic and your life is ugly and it's empty and it's a life void of meaning. And people say, well, I got purpose in life. I got a job. I no, you don't. You just got a means of making a living. But that's, that's not purpose. That's just a means of making a living. But when you're right, you see your divine purpose, the reason you were created was to have a relationship with God. And until you fulfill that, you will never be happy. You'll never be happy. But it's once you get the sin out and the light shines and your life has changed, that's when you feel like, I am living my purpose. My life has meaning. I understand why I live. 
By the way, isn't it interesting how similar the state of the earth on the phase one in Genesis 1 is to the life of the sinner? Unformed, unfilled, dark, chaotic. But you notice God didn't leave things like that in Genesis 1, and he doesn't want to leave things like that in your life. <laughs> you know, when Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago, the world was covered in the darkness of sin. And John chapter 1, I, I've preached on John chapter 1 many times, but I saw something that I never really saw before that I want to bring to you today. If you look at John chapter 1, Gospel of John chapter 1, there are three revelations of Jesus, three roles that Jesus is, uh, that are attributed to Jesus. Let's put it that way. He is the light, he is the word, and he's the lamb. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. That, that's Jesus. And then it goes on and says, and in him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, but the darkness didn't comprehend it or understand it. So see, he's the light. And then one day, if you just keep reading on that chapter, John the Baptist is standing there and Jesus comes walking over the top of the hill. And John looks at him and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You've got the light and the word and the Lamb. And when you look at that, you understand that why did he come? He came as the light to do something. He came to dispel the darkness of sin. He came to show sinners their sinfulness, to shine the light. You know, sometimes, you ever notice like you don't realize, you know, you think you're a sinner. and You know you are, but everybody else is a sinner, and that just kind of makes you not think about it until you get around a real Christian. And then the light of their life makes you just, it makes you feel like, yeah, man, I just, Ugh, I can tell. I, I don't like that guy. He, I don't like her. She makes me feel bad because they make me. You're making me look bad, and all they're doing is just shining the light. That's what Jesus came to do, to shine the light. He said, you need to see you're sinful. You need to stop making excuses and stop just saying, well, everybody else is like this. Well, you need to see that you're not right with God and you're in sin and you're on your way to hell and, this, and it's not good. And so he shines the light. He shows sinners their sinfulness. He shines the light to show your need of a Savior. Matthew 4, 16 quotes Isaiah 9, 2, and it's talking about Jesus. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. I love in the book of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, it prophesies of Jesus, and this is what it says. The son of righteousness, S-U-N, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And it's this beautiful prophetic picture of Jesus and I have been in a I have been on the I have been on the on the lake I have been in a in a deer stand you know usually get up early in the dark and you climb the tree and I'm sitting here in my climber sitting in a ladder stand and then it's dark but then the sun starts to rise the sky lights up and then that sun gets up and depending on where you're at and especially on the lake you can see it because it's open and that sun will rise up and if there are clouds the rays of the sun will shine down through the clouds. It's a cool picture. See, that's the sun the sun is rising with its rays. It look they look like wings. Right? And that's so the, the writer said that's what happens on the day. The darkness has dominated, but then the sun rises and the wings of its rays shine out over the land. 
And what he said was, Jesus is coming, and he did come. And he said, the son, S-U-N, will really be the S-O-N, son of God. And he'll come one day, and he'll rise. And the rays of the truth of his life and his power and his saving work will shine on men in the darkness of the day and, and, and reveal that there is a hope. And he'll rise, and he'll bring healing to those who are in sin. Isn't that an awesome picture? He'll rise with healing in his. It's not about healing of cancer and all those kind of things, even though God can do all that. It's he, you know, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was put on him. Watch this. It, by his stripes we are healed. And yes, do I think that can apply to healing of diseases and sicknesses? Absolutely. But the greatest sickness we have is the sickness and the disease of sin. And yet God comes, Christ comes as the light. And he shines so that we can be healed. I hate going to the doctor. How many of you hate going to the doctor? I hate going to the doctor. A typical man. Sometimes you go to the doctor. I don't go like the doctor because the older you get, all they got is bad news. He never tells me my cholesterol is good. Never tells me my blood pressure's come down. Every time I go, I'm just afraid it's going to be something else. I don't want to go see that man. But they make me go once a year for a physical. They shouldn't call it physical. They should call it torture. Sometimes you got to go to the doctor, and the doctor, they do all those tests. The doctor doesn't want to hurt you. But the doctor sometimes just has to shine the light. Let's look at your cholesterol. Ooh. You ever heard of a thing called a stroke? <laughs> Nobody likes it. No sinner likes to come to church and hear a message on the gospel and become aware of their sin, but you need the light. Jesus came as the light. He came as the word. Why, what, what was his purpose? To expose the fallacy of sin. Sin lies to you. The devil lies to you. You're living a great life. Get saved, and you'll look at your life of sin, and you'll go, I was an idiot. What a dumb thing. I thought I was really living, and that was misery. You get saved, man, and it just so God shows you the fallacy of the deceitfulness of sin and of the devil's lies. And he came as the word to declare the gospel that is the power of God to salvation. He came as the word with a capital W to utter words that would produce saving faith in us. He came as the word to declare liberating spiritual truths. Because listen, when you listen to the words of Jesus, then what you find out is it sets you for you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Then he came as the lamb. And lambs were sacrifices. And so he came as a lamb to give his life as a ransom for many people. He came as a lamb to pay the price for our redemption. He came as a lamb to create a new and a living way to God. He came as a lamb to deliver us out of this spiritual darkness and usher us into his marvelous light. He came as a lamb to take away our sins and make us right with God. We just sang it, didn't we? Leah just sang it. And when his light shines on you, and when you hear his words, and when you see him as the lamb, the one that died and rose again to be your savior, you have one of two choices. You can either shade your eyes from his light, cover your ears from his words, and turn your back on the lamb and say, I don't want any of it. The person who does this is someone who just deeply desires to continue 
in their wicked deeds. The person who does this is someone who would rather stay in a lifestyle of habitual sin and godlessness and lawlessness. The person who does this is someone who loves darkness way more than they love light. And that's a sad place to be. But option two is this. You look to the light. You run to the light. You listen and absorb the words of Jesus. And you put your trust in the Lamb to do exactly, again, what we just sang about, what, what we saw depicted in communion this morning. You run to the Lamb who shed His blood in order to cover your sins and cleanse you from your iniquities and forgive you of all of your transgressions and justify you and place you in right relationship with God. Y'all, this is why we preach the gospel. This is why you talk about what Jesus can do to your friends and your neighbors and your family members, your co-workers, when the opportunity arises. You shine the light. You speak the word. You point them to the Lamb. You know, I preached not too long ago. We said, boy, I'm just trying to get them to come to church. Get them to come to church. Keep getting trying to, well, keep getting them to come to church. But the main goal, y'all, is not to get people to come to church. The main goal is to get them to come to Jesus. Or you'll just have a church filled, filled with sinners. And there are plenty of those all over the United States of America and around the world. You don't want a church filled with sinners. You want a church filled with people who've had an encounter with the Lamb. And don't say, well, Pastor, you know, I can't do it. I'm afraid I'll mess it up. I don't know what you know. I, I can't do that. I, listen, if God opens up a door for you to share the gospel, shine the light. You say, well, what if I mess it up? Anybody got a flashlight? Anybody got flashlights? Okay, Any, y'all ever shine a flashlight? Sure you do. You got, you got lights on your car? Okay. What do y'all do? You just hit a button. Have you ever messed up a flashlight? No. You can't mess up the light, can you? Pastor, I'm, hey, it's dark over here. Will you shine a light? I would, but I'm afraid I'd mess it up. Can you mess it up? No, you just hit the button. The light will do the work. I'm preaching this morning. I'm preaching this morning, Brian. I'm preaching this morning. Stop making excuses. Stop bailing out. Stop saying, God, don't use me. Lord, don't tell me to go over there and talk to my coworker. I know she just came over and said she's going through a hard time. I know there's an opportunity. Lord, don't tell don't, don't, uh, She's in the dark. Go shine the light. Don't worry. You can't mess it up. Just tell her what Jesus did. Tell her what... You know what I found? I found that people who really need the light the most, they're so hungry for it, you can't mess it up. <laughs> you try to mess it up, it ain't going to work because they're ready to get saved. They just need you to shine the light. Tell me what to do. Give me the words of Jesus. Tell me how to get to the Lamb. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why we share the light. Shine the light, share the gospel, point people to the Lamb. I want to tell you this. God's Son stepped into a dark, sinful world 2,000 years ago. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're living in a state of spiritual darkness because of the sin in your life, you need to hear me. The same Son of God that stepped into a dark world 2,000 years ago will step into your dark world of sin right now. And he, the same God who stepped into the darkness 6,000, 7,000, how many years ago? I don't believe in, we're a billion years old. 
however many years it was, thousands and millennia that God created everything, the same God that stepped into that situation and spoke light and brought order and chaos, he will do the same thing in your life. All you have to do is believe in what he did. We've already shared the gospel this morning. Jesus came, died, rose from the grave. It's the right hand of the Father. He's alive. All I got to do is come to God and say, I am a sinner. You already know that, God, but I don't want to be this way anymore. Please forgive me of my sins. Change me. I believe that what Jesus did had the power, has the power to change my life. I confess my sins and I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And I repent of my sins, God. I'm not going to do them anymore. I want to be saved. That's all you have to pray. Simple. And the light will shine and the word will work and faith will come and the lamb will change your life. And he'll give you life and order and beauty and purpose and your life will bring glory to God. There's a third thing I want to talk about as I conclude. Yeah, the Bible talks about physical darkness when, when God created this earth, and the Bible talks about spiritual darkness. But all through the scriptures, it's not as obvious and evident, but it's there. There is an understanding that we as believers sometimes go through dark places. Dark places. Do, do you all understand? Do I, do I even have to elaborate? Or Do you all know what I'm talking about? Those dark places in life. I mean, you can be young and go through a dark place. Age doesn't matter. It's, it's, you see, maybe some of you say, well, what are you talking about? When you're in a dark place, it's, it's where just things are bad. Things are negative. Things have gone wrong. You feel confined. You feel like trapped. And you're clueless as to how to get out of it. And, and it's chaotic. And you're in the vortex. And your world's rocking. And, and you just don't know what to do. It can come from a bad doctor's report. It can come from your finances. It can come from something major that hits. It's your business that just knocks the wind out of you, and you're in a crisis, and you just go into a deep, dark place. It is a dark place in your life. You don't know what to do. Fear likes to operate in our dark places. Anxiety will take over, try to take over in your dark place. Depression will try to get a stronghold in your mind and your heart when you're in a dark place. The devil will try to turn your dark places into his, his, his playground. It's a scary place to be. And I've been there. My wife's been there. Leah's been there. We've been in those dark places. They're just horrible times. But remember what I told you at the beginning of this message from Genesis 1-1. I want you to get this. Don't forget this. The dark doesn't scare God. The dark doesn't impede God. And though you're in a dark place, it doesn't scare him. You may be terrified right now, but he's not. You may not know what to do, but he does. You may see no way out, but he already knows the exit strategy. And y'all, if there's not one, he's God. He'll create one. And that's what I want you to get your mind on today is that God is the God in the dark place of your life. He can operate in your dark place. He doesn't get scared. He doesn't get worried. He, where you, you can't see what lies ahead. He sees everything perfectly. And he can shine his light into your dark place and illuminate your circumstances with just what you need so that you can endure and ultimately overcome. I thought about this. This is unique. Uh, uh, do you know Jesus knows what it's like to be in a dark place? 
He does. As the God-man who came to this earth, Jesus knows what it's like to be in a dark place. As soon as he showed up, he was in a dark place for nine months. It was called Mary's womb. God, the Son of God, who lives in unapproachable light, humbled himself and took on the form of flesh. And for the first nine months, was in a woman's womb, confined, restricted, a dark place. Don't tell me God doesn't know what it's like. When they hung him on a cross and he's suffering, because a lot of times in dark places you might suffer. Could be emotional, mental, might be physical, financial. He was suffering. The Bible says that from noon, the brightest time of the day till 3 o'clock, Darkness covered the land. They had to light torches at the crucifixion site so they could see what they were doing. And for three hours, he hung in suffering in the dark place. Confined. Couldn't come off the cross. Clueless as to how to get out of it. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. The father said, nope, you got to go through it. He died, and they took his body, and they laid it in a cave and put a rock over it and sealed it up, and don't you know it was dark in there. He said, oh, pastor, that was his body. He wasn't there. His spear was gone. Well, you're right. But there was a resurrection. So at some point, the spirit came back to the body. Now maybe it happened after the angels rolled the stone away. But I wonder if it's possible that he came back in while he was still in the tomb. I don't know. We'll ask him when we get to heaven. Either way, God knows what it's like to be in the dark place. Now, the question I want to ask you is, did any of those situations stop him from carrying out his plan or fulfilling his mission for us? No, quite to the contrary. Watch this. Every dark place he went through helped him fulfill his ultimate plan of salvation. <laughs> Listen to me. God can use your dark places to ultimately fulfill his plan for your life. You don't like it. I don't like dark places. But you just have to trust God that ultimately God will bring you through. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is found in Acts chapter 16 as I come to a close. It's the story of these two guys named Paul and Silas. Paul was, you know, he, Paul wrote half of the New Testament and he's, he was a missionary and he had this guy Silas with him. And Paul and Silas go to Philippi which is now in the, it would be located in the modern country of Turkey. And they go there, and they're going to, to, to work. I'm sorry, in Greece. And they're going there to work, and uh, they're going to, to work, and they're, they're going to do this ministry. Now, here's what we read. When they get there, everything goes right. Everything goes right. The, they, they meet this woman. They win her to the Lord. She opens her home as a base of operation. They start teaching in the synagogue. People are getting saved. Everything's going good. How many in this room... 
and those watching you online will say, Pastor, I love it when everything is going right. Let me see your hand. How many of you love it? Some of you are not going to raise your hand because you ain't going to raise your hand for nothing, are you? But come on, raise your hand. How many say, Pastor, I love it when everything goes right? Okay, because if you don't raise your hand, you're a liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Okay, everybody likes it when everything goes right, right? Everything, everything's going right. But how many of you know things can change just like that? And they're having themselves a good time preaching the gospel and everything's going good. This may have gone on for days or weeks. Then the devil shows up. How many of you know the devil wants to mess up your good time? The devil wants to wreak havoc in your life. And so there was this little girl. She was a slave girl and she was demon-possessed. But that demon would operate in her so that she could tell the future. Now, that doesn't mean the devil knows the future. The devil's a trickster. The devil would just have them predict the future. Then the devil would go make that thing happen in whoever they talked to so that they would believe in the black arts and in the devil. And then these people, these, her masters would get paid. Come on, you can't trust the devil. Come on, somebody. And so, and so she's doing, well, this, the devil sees that Paul and Silas has moved in on his territory. And so he moves this little girl to follow them around going, behold, these are servants of the Most High God. But it was true. But how many know you don't need the devil prophesying or helping your ministry? And so Paul just tolerates it until finally one day he turns around and says, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And he exercised that demon, delivered that little girl. Hallelujah. Well, not so much hallelujah because the owners found out well, they just lost their revenue source. And so they stirred up a crowd, got Paul and Silas arrested unjustly. Then, so the magistrates take them. They don't know what's going on. They think they're criminals, so they beat them. Well, they were Roman citizens. It was against the law to beat them. So now they've been unjustly punished as well as unjustly arrested. And they give him over to the jailer and they said, lock him up and lock him up in maximum security. And so that's exactly what they did. He took him to the inner cell and he took him all the way down and he chained him up. And there, was no, there were no lights, chained him up. Their backs are beaten and he left him alone and he walks out of the jail carrying a torch and it's pitch dark. They're alone. Nobody knows where they are. They're, they're bleeding. They're bloody. They're hurting. And they're in a bad place. And it's the midnight hour. They're in a dark place. And you know what the Bible says they did? The Bible says that they looked at each other and said, you know what? This is a bunch of junk. I quit. I'm not going back to church. I'm not serving God. I'm going back into sin. I'm going to go get me a 12-pack or 24-pack of Bud Light, and I'm going to drink all weekend and drown my sorrows in alcohol. No, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go get a crack dealer, and we're going to shoot up. Let's go get a joint, and we'll shoot. We'll just smoke some blunts, and we'll just, we'll just, we'll just have ourselves a good time and forget about God, and you know what? I'm just going to go out there and start sleeping around with everything. I know what I'll do. Paul said, forget this. I'm going into the tent business. I'm a tent maker. I'm going to build me a tent empire. going to be little tents, mid-sized tents, family tents. I'm going to do tents for camping, tents that you can make when you're tailgating and eclipsing. I'm going to make a lot of money. Forget this God stuff. I'm going, to, I'm, going, I'm going into that. I'm going to build an empire. That's what the Bible says, right? What? Are y'all sure? Isn't that what you're supposed to do when everything goes well and then you get in a dark place and the devil puts you and everything goes bad? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Are y'all sure? Because I've seen people do it in the church. The I love, serve Jesus faith as long as everything's going good. Well, you're right. That's not what the Bible says they did. You know what the Bible says those, those old boys did. 
You don't have to follow me with the camera. I'm going to sit down. They sat down. I mean, they were, they were sitting down. They were chained. It's the midnight hour. They're alone. Nobody's there. Nobody knows where they are. Nobody's going to bail them out. No help's coming. I don't know what songs they sang, but the Bible said their response in the dark was to sing and pray. Now, it says they sang hymns, but they didn't have Amazing Grace and Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, and How Great Thou Art. They didn't have all that. So I don't know what they sang. They had the Psalms. So I can't really tell you what they sang, so I'm just going to have to modernize it. It's dark. I don't even know if they can see each other. All you hear is the sound of the chains every time they move their arms. Backs hurting. They're lonely. And about midnight, Paul's sitting there like this, and he went, Greater than the mountain that's in front of me, you are greater, so much greater. Old Silas looked over and said, Greater than the power of the enemy. You are greater, so much greater. And then they both joined together. Greater than the mountain that's in front of me. You are greater, so much greater, greater than the power. They're singing. In the midnight, in the dark. And all the rest of the prisoners are listening. Because they're in the same dark. And Silas keeps singing it. Listen to me. And the Holy Ghost came on those boys. The Holy Ghost started moving inside Paul and Silas. And while Silas kept singing, greater than, Paul started praying. And said, oh God, I know we're in the dark place and I know nobody knows where we are and I know things look bad and we were way up here and just like that, everything has gone down. We don't know what's going to happen to us. We don't know what they're going to do to us. But I know you're the God of the dark place. You showed up in Genesis 1. You sent your son to this dark world. You came into my dark world and saved me. This isn't the first time and this won't be the last time. And God, I'm just believing you're going to show up in this dark And Paul started praying. Well, then Silas quit, quit singing and he started praying. They had a men's prayer meeting right there in that jail cell. They started praying and calling out to God. They started saying, God, it's bad, but that's all right. You're bigger than any mountain. You're, you're the God who works in the dark. You can handle this, God. We don't see a way out, but you're going to find us a way out because you've called us to preach the gospel and spread the gospel, and you're not through with us, God. So we're just looking for when you're going to show up, and what are you going to do, God? And they started praying. Well, I've heard this preached so many different ways. The best way I've heard it preached is that the Bible says heaven is God's throne and earth is his footstool. And so God's sitting up on heaven on his throne 
throne and he's got his feet on top of the earth and the, and, the, and somebody said that he heard Paul and Silas singing and praying and it got God so excited he started patting his foot and he just happened to be patting it right on top of Philippi at the jail cell and when he did the Bible says the jail started rocking Elvis thought he had the first jailhouse rock but God had the first jailhouse rock about 2,000 years ago and the, and the, rock, the jailhouse is shaking and he shook it so hard that the chains fell off and he set everybody free God showed up in the dark place Oh, it gets better. And so the Bible says that when this is happening, the jailer who either must have lived at the jail or near the jail comes running to the place, seeing what's happening. He has responsibility for all the prisoners. Watch this. I've never seen this before, never preached this. And the Bible says that calling for a light, he ran in to the dark place. Woo! Y'all ain't got it yet, but I'm getting there. Calling for a light. If you're not saved and you're living in the darkness of sin, listen to me. The best thing you can do is call for the light. With a capital L, his name is Jesus. Just call to the light and the light will show up and he will save your soul. And the jailer comes running in and called for a light and they gave him a light and he's shining it in the darkness. Wanting to see what's going on. You know what's so funny about this story? Is the same guy that locked them up in the dark, God used him to bring light and to bring them out. And what I've learned is you don't mess with God because you think there's no way out. I've seen God take the very people or circumstances or company or organization that puts you into something. God can work and they'll bring you out of the same thing. God can use anything. Here's the best part of it. Jailer comes running in, and the same Holy Ghost that they feel operating in the dark gets on him. That's right. So it's not in there. Well, it's not, but it's there. Because when he ran in, instead of saying, is anybody left? Everybody there? Don't y'all run out of here. Don't you run out of here. I'll arrest you. He didn't do any. When he ran in, that place was filled with the presence of God. That jailhouse was shaking. The Holy Ghost was there. You know what happens when you're in sin? You get in the presence of the Holy Ghost. You're either going to run or you're going to get under conviction. And that old boy got under conviction. And the Bible says he ran in, called for a light. And he said, Paul said, we're all here. And he said, sir, what must I do to be saved? He was concerned about getting right with God. And the very guy that put him in chains, he takes them to their house, cleans their wound. And Paul, watch this, Paul says, you brought some light into that physical jail, but I'm, I'm fixing to bring some spiritual light into your home. And he preaches the gospel to him, and the jailer gets saved and his whole household. Isn't that great? And God showed me this in the first service, and I had to type it in my notes because I thought, I don't want to forget this. God showed me this. Listen to me. Nobody likes dark places. Nobody wants to go through stuff. But listen to me. If Paul and Silas had not been in the dark place, the jailer never would have come to Christ. And his family. I know sometimes you're wondering, God, why are you letting me go through this? Why don't you bring me out? But I think 
that God is saying, if you'll just hang in here and trust me, I'm going to use this for greater things than you could ever know. And somebody might even get saved. I want you to stand with me this morning. God's not afraid of your dark. I, I don't know where you are and what you're going through, but I'm just here to tell you this morning, God's not afraid of your dark. And he'll bring you out. He is able. Come on, I said he is able. So what I want to do to close out this message, I'm giving an altar call. I've started giving altars a call again, but here's what I ask. You just spread out, okay, physical distance. For those of you watching online, you listen too, because what I'm about to say may apply to you. But if you're here and you say, Pastor Chris, came to church today for whatever reason, but I am in the darkness of sin. I'm not saved. I'm not right with God. I need to get saved. I want to get saved. I want to get, I want the light to shine. I want to hear the word. I want to meet the Lamb. Then I'm asking you this morning to get out of your seat in just a minute. I'm going to give an invitation. I want you to get out of your seat. If you need to grab somebody and say, will you go with me? If somebody does that to you, say, come on, let's go. Come down to this altar. I'll pray with you. And God can save your soul. You can leave here today right with the Lord. Now, you can pray right there where you are back there. You can pray. That's fine. I'm just giving you an invitation to come down here where I can talk to you and pray with you. For everybody else, if you're born again, you're saved. You say, Pastor, man, I'm in a dark place. Wow. I came to church today. I didn't even feel like coming to church. I'm in a dark place. I'm just going through it right now. My family's going through it right now. I want you to invite you to step out of your seat and I want you to come to this altar and I want you to cry out to the God of the dark places and I want you to say, God, I, I want you to help me and touch me and help me to bring me through this and I'm going to leave this church today knowing that just like you brought Pop, Paul and Silas out, you're going to bring me out. You're going to do great things in my life and I'm not going to worry. You're in charge and you're in control. Work in my dark place. Come on, one, two, three, go. If that's you, step out right now. Come on, meet me down here. If you say, Pastor, I want to come to the altar. Come on. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.